Hello exam seekers, I'm Patty and today I bring some new content for you. As I may have mentioned in the blog, I am taking a course on bilingual education. Well, I'm sure I haven't mentioned this here, but yeah, I am taking a course on bilingual education and it's pretty nice. Uh, actually, it's pretty exhausting now that I am on the final thesis part of the course. Oh, <laughs> uh, therefore, I decided to check on my blog's content because I knew that there was something that I had written about it. And I wanted to share this with you guys today. Okay? So, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, the definition for bilingualism is the fact of being able to use two languages equally well. But according to some authors specialized in the area, bilingualism is not one stationary thing. There's still a considerable debate on it. So I will describe some types of bilingualism there is, so far at least. Additive, subtractive, recursive, and dynamic bilingualism. I will also talk about monoglossic and heteroglossic bilingual education. I know, I know, I know, I know that this vocab might seem a little bit hard to understand, hard to grasp, but stick with me and you will understand the whole context later up into the end, okay? So additive versus subtractive. There are two models of bilingualism when it comes to how students are going to learn the language. The first one is regarding the maintenance of two languages, while the other one implies the loss of the learner's mother tongue. When students learn an additional language and still get to keep their mother tongue, this is called additive bilingualism. Since it works on the basis where you can, where you can keep on learning your native language, the L1, plus learning a second language, L2, and ends up with both of them. So L1 plus L2 equals L1 plus L2. Yay, that's additive bilingualism. Makes sense, right? However, once you start learning an additional language and encourage and are encouraged to stop studying and using your mother tongue, you are directed to something else. When the intention is to be solely an L2 speaker, then it is a subtractive bilingualism. Therefore, you lose your first language and learn a second one, leading to a learner who only speaks one language in the end. So L1 plus L2 minus L1 equals only L2. Still, these two models do not fulfill the need of a 21st century learner. There is more than simply being additive or subtractive bilingualism when it comes to developing a language, mainly because from this perspective, the two languages are separating the languages into two unique blocks. And then comes the question, should we consider language learning as a different block when talking about languaging? After all, should there be this barrier for bilingual beings? Or should languages happen more interactively so that talking about first or second language is not the priority anymore? 
as stated by Ofelia Garcia, 2009, page 48, bilingualism is not about one plus one equals two, but about a plural, mixing different aspects or fractions of language behaviors as they are needed to be socially meaningful. Recursive versus dynamic. It was thinking about the 21st century learner that another two models were created. Recursive bilingualism tends to happen in communities where the original language spoken by the ancestral is suppressed and is then kept on ceremonies and in different manners. Thus, concerning a bilingual continuum, those who are in the recursive one will be going back and forth in the continuum. There are parts of the language in use rather than its whole. Recursive bilingualism is already an idea that takes language from a more heteroglossic view than a monoglossic one. Still, does bilingualism happen in a linear construction? Hmm. Dynamic bilingualism, on the other hand, comes down to multiplicity, diversity. Due to the increase in the connection between people, globalization has made it more accessible to interact with others, demanding different functions and contexts. According to Garcia, 2009, page 53, in the linguistic complexity of the 21st century, bilingualism involves a much more dynamic cycle where language practices are multiple and ever adjusting to the multilingual, multimodal terrain of the communicative act. Thus, the concept of dynamic bilingualism can even be extended to plur plurilingualism, mainly because of the facilities in which individuals have access to and use multiple languages for different purposes in different situations. Monoglossic versus heteroglossic. Even though these two dichotomies are the basis for defining the two categories describing, described above, I decided to leave them for the last to provide better differentiation between them and reinforce the previous mentioned concepts. When talking about a monoglossic view of the language, we talk about a diglossic view of the language which means that there is a social-political factor involved and it depends on the communicative situation. Therefore, one language is a prestigious one and spoken in more formal cases, while the other one tends to be restricted to more informal settings. So, there is a monolingual standard established for language learning. This view considers that only coming from a monolingual perspective can develop a language appropriately with proficiency, since this is when the student has the real opportunities to practice the language. With this in mind, 
The two models of education that take language acquisition from a monoglossic perspective are the additive and subtractive ones. Again, additive bilingualism aims to have two monolinguals in one person and sees bilingualism as something positive. Nevertheless, subtractive bilingualism is seen as a problem and seeks to have a monolingual student who knows the L2 solely. The mother tongue is slowly removed from the school curriculum when students are only using the language used in school. On the other hand, when talking about an heteroglossic view, the aim is to go global, rather than to compartmentalize the two languages into two different blocks. Here, languages are not competing against one another, but they will work depending on the need and situation. This concept involves two models, the recursive and the dynamic one. The recursive takes bilingualism as a right, and the linguistic and cultural background of the student is preserved and valued. As Garcia, 2009, mentioned, the learner here are emerged bilinguals rather than second language learners. Besides that, there is dynamic bilingualism, which unites different contexts and cultures, creating a hybrid culture experiences, according to Garcia, page 119. This model allows translanguaging to take place and also welcomes different linguistic identities. There is plenty of food for thought regarding bilingual education, mainly because we are dealing with a different kind of learner, which needs a lot more from school than before. The, perspective, the perspectives have changed a lot concerning the learner in the 21st century skills and how we should develop them. I'd love to know your views on the matter. Do you agree with all these changes? How much impact did they have on your classes lately? Please go to the blog, check the text. There are some nice pictures to help you digest the text. And please leave a comment in the comment section below, sharing your thoughts. Okie dokie. So that's it. Don't forget to check the blog on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And see you next time. Oh, by the way, when I was talking about Ophelia Garcia, the reference is Garcia, Ophelia, Bilingual Education in the 21st Century, a Global Perspective, UK, 2009. That's it. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye-bye.